1: What's up, everybody? Bengals bye week, but no days off here on the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. I'm Anthony Kazenza coming at you as part of CincyJungle.com's podcast network, and uh, we are going through the happening headlines as it pertains to the Cincinnati Bengals, the AFC North, and of course the rest of the NFL. Some interesting stuff co- coming down the pike, even though it is bye week and. It's it's regrouping time. I think in some respects, we all kind of felt like, hey, you know, five big picture, five and four Bengals at the bye. That's pretty decent. They're in the thick of the playoff hunt. But when you had opportunities, really, um, you know, against the Jets, the Packers, the Bears, uh, especially those three games, you know, you, you had some golden opportunities go through your hands there probably should be more of a six or seven win team at this point in time. But shoulda, woulda, coulda, that's in the past. The Bengals are five and four, and they are looking uh, forward here and uh, looking to regroup into the bye week. We've got some things coming from the game against the Browns, the shellacking, some news out of that game, as well as some uh, quotes and things of that nature coming from those associated with the Bengals this week. So a lot of different things and pieces of news there. Some interesting stuff coming from the AFC North and, as usual, some different things around the NFL, especially when it comes to that game last night on Monday night football, Bears versus the Steelers. Steelers get a break there in a number of different ways. And now the Bengals officially drop to the bottom of the division with the Steelers' win right uh, last night against the Bears and that was a wild one on primetime TV again I'm Anthony Kazenza this is the orange and black insider Bengals podcast and you can subscribe to this channel on YouTube I believe it's right around here I'm pointing at it you can you can click that little icon of our our show logo and of course click the bell to be notified to go live so subscribe click the bell And when new content is available, I'm I'm kicking around another idea for another weekly feature or something on the team, maybe a little bit historical based. So keep your eyes peeled for that and your ears open for that might be giving you just another piece that maybe YouTube only. I don't know yet. I'm, I'm, I'm kicking it around. I'm kicking it around. So we'll see what happens there. But you can also get the this show and the others on the Cincy Jungle Podcast Network, which is Orange is the New Black from Ace and Zim. And Coach Speak and Chalk Talk from Matt Minnick, all on the Cincy Jungle Podcast Network, on your favorite audio streamer, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all of the major ones. We are there. Subscribe and leave us a review, please. Uh, Let's get started. Let's start sharing some Bengals news. Now, I mean, there still is a lot of news, even though we're headed into a bye week. And by we, we, I mean the Bengals, of course. But uh, you know, there's some stuff to look at in terms of aftermath from that game. Looking forward and what's happening in the buy, a lot of different stuff that we're going to cover here. Um, so even though there may be a little bit of a slowness to the news because they don't have an opponent this week, um, there still are some some in, intriguing headlines that we need to get to here. And as usual, we will go with the snap counts. Here on CincyJungle.com, and I will put that. Uh, I will put that link in the live chat for everybody there as well. But you see here, snap counts show the Bengals defense tried to go big against the Browns. Um, they did. They went limited at the linebacker spot, so there's some questions there. But um, you can see here um, how much information can we get from the snap counts. And again, I'll I'll put this link in the live chats for everybody to, uh, to see here. But what did we learn? The Bengals offense spent all day on the field. Cincinnati ran 75 offensive plays compared to the Browns 48. Um, and of course that has to do with catch-up mode, that has to do with the Browns popping big plays quickly on a couple of drives, and getting short fields um, off of turnovers, so that has a lot to do with that, Um, and no variety from the defense. Uh, You can see that's one of the things. Akeem Adeniji got the start at right guard, um, and it benched Jackson Carmen, but carmen had has had some nice moments and carmen did have a tweaked back from the game before against the jets so you know all of that goes into the equation tyler boyd though here let, let's talk about this tyler boyd 59 total snaps which is 79 percent of the plays yet only two targets on the day one catch um needs to be a bigger factor in the offense for sure especially with the last two weeks teams keying on jamar chase and kind of bottling him up now chase ran free a couple of times against the Browns, Um, you know, they bottled him up, but you know, there were a couple of instances of one-on-one coverage and they just, either he dropped a couple of passes, Burrow missed him, what have you. So, you know, guys like Boyd need to start re-emerging in the offensive game plan, but 59 snaps out there and only two targets his way. Uh, Mike Thomas got out there, had a catch as well, 10 snaps for him. Jamar Chase, Got ninety-five percent of the offensive snaps. Auden Tate did not play. Higgins getting seventy-six percent of the snaps. A couple of drops by him, but a couple of nice catches as well. But the the consistency from Chase and Higgins. They're still very young, um, both in ter- in terms of years accrued, but also in terms of overall age. They are still very young. So um, you know, just gaining that consistency as this team as a whole grows. Uh, is going to be key going forward. Stanley Morgan getting out there, and he was seen springing a nice block for Joe Mixon out there on, on one of his runs. Irwin didn't play. Uh, Williams and Reef got 100% of the snaps. Um, Spain and Adenogy got all the snaps. Hopkins got 92% of the snaps with Trey Hill coming in for some uh, CJ Uzama out there for 64% of the snaps. Sample out there for 51%. Mitchell Wilcox out there for 3%. So they're mixing the tight ends in and out of there a little bit. Uh, Burrow out there for 92%. Obviously with Brandon Allen coming in late in the blowout, uh, you know. So let's let's kind of skip down to the defense and the defensive line here. Uh, Sample did not play. By the way, only four snaps for Chris Evans. I expect that to potentially change. In the weeks ahead, particularly when Samaje P. Ryan missed a block on a Jamar Chase catch and missed a, an opportunity to convert a third down on a catch of his own, um, did have a couple nice plays though, did P. Ryan early in the game, but still a mixed bag there. Hendrickson out there for 71% of the snaps, Hubbard out there for 92%. Hubbard had a couple of nice plays on defense, one of the lone bright spots on that side of the ball. Um, and then you see Khalid Kareem only out there for three snaps. Reader out there for 85% of the snaps. Ogan Joby out there for 90% of the snaps. Tupo out there for 52%. Um, B.J. Hill, 52%. Tyler Shelvin getting his first action. I, I thought we would have seen a little bit more of him, not only before this game, but in this game, only 8% of the snaps there. Big guy, thought you know definitely the thinking is he's going to help against the run. So you, you know, I just, I think we all kind of figured that he was maybe going to be a little bit bigger of a game plan, particularly in a game like this, but uh, only 8% of the snaps played there. Logan Wilson, a hundred percent of the snaps, 48 Pratt playing 92. Batchy did not play any Marcus Bailey in there for 6% did have a, a nice batted ball in the end zone um, early in the game. So that was, that was kind of nice to see Davis Gaither injured his foot in the game. So only, 8% 8% of the snaps, four total snaps for Mike, uh, for, excuse me, Akeem Davis-Gaither. Uh, and then you see, you know, Apple out there for 96%, Woozie out there for 96% of the snaps. Mike Hilton only out there for 46%. Um, and I think that has to do with some of the personnel groupings there. So just an interesting look at the defense. And I think the Davis-Gaither injury did kind of put a wrench in some things that they were trying to do in the middle levels of the defense, but even so, at some point, if you're Lou Anarumo, if you if you are Zach Taylor, you have to make the adjustments necessary to stop Nick Chubb, to get some sort of push against that Cleveland offensive line, and, of course, disallow Baker Mayfield to make these big plays off of play action, bootlegs, etc. cetera. So um, the Bengals did not achieve that, and uh, unfortunately, they paid the price for that. Um, so – that is a little bit of the snap counts. That's always an interesting post. I, I know we spend a little more time on that than many others, but it's always an interesting look into what the Bengals did in the previous game there to see uh, see what's happening. Okay, so unfortunately, some more bad news for the Cincinnati Bengals, and they are going to need to um, they're going to need to figure this out on special teams because. Brandon Wilson at times has looked like a Pro Bowl caliber type of return man and unfortunately not so much this year and now his year is ended prematurely as he tore his ACL against the Browns uh it was a questionable tackle on on some uh on some in some respects here did sign a 2-year over 4 million dollar contract extension this past offseason um and, and so you know he was rewarded for a couple of years of really nice Kickoff returns, but unfortunately, never provided the spark this year, and now uh, is out for the year. Darius Phillips stepped in in that regard. I don't know if this is more Trent Nerwin, Trent Taylor. Um, you know what? What the what the team's going to do at this point in terms of the kick return duties and how they will split that up. But they need to get a spark somehow on punt returns, on kickoff returns, because they are doing no favors. They have been doing no favors to the Bengals offense in terms of field position, but. Regardless, even if it was a, a little bit of a down year for Brandon Wilson, this is still a, a big injury. The Bengals have largely stayed healthy this year, but unfortunately Brandon Wilson, um, his year will be done with a torn ACL. I hope he heals up. I think we all can say we hope he heals up soon, comes back to the team, and reverts back to that Pro Bowl-like kickoff return man form that we have seen um, from him. So unfortunately, uh, his, his year is done as well now, and with this two-game losing streak, the Bengals keep tumbling down the AFC conference playoff picture. The AFC North, I mentioned, in a matter of two weeks, they and two games played, they went from the number one seed in the AFC conference and atop the AFC North to the tenth seed and quote in the hunt in the AFC playoff picture, and of course. Fourth place, last place in the AFC North. Not a good couple of weeks for the Cincinnati Bengals and where they sit on things. And additionally, this is on cincyjungle.com. I will pin this in the live chat for you all here. The The Bengals playoff odds take a big dip after home loss to the Browns. And this is by Nathan Nathan Bigley. Um, you can see here... Um, trying to think if they, uh, if there is, yeah, here we go. Uh, Via Ben baby, the Bengals chances of making the playoffs drop from 60% to 30.2%. And this graphic was shown also last night on Monday night football uh, where, you know, all of the AFC North teams have, you know, differing uh, percentages in terms of Ability to make the playoffs. I think the Ravens were upwards of 60%, um, which is where the Bengals were a couple of weeks ago. Um, and then, you know, now you've got the, the Steelers potentially winning, you know, winning and potentially getting in there. The Bengals do have wins over the Ravens and the Steelers, though. That's good news. And they have both of those teams coming to Cincinnati in the back half of the schedule here. And then of course they go to Cleveland as well. So, uh, you know, and you can see here, Jake Trotter, the the quote here is 51.5% chance for the Browns to make the playoffs. Um, so, you know, it's, it's split across there, but, um, the Bengals playoff chances dropped dramatically with that loss against the Browns. And that really showed, and, and you can see here, um, you know, that was, that was a big jump for the Browns. That's, that's why this game meant so much, even though it was at the midway point of the season, that's why this game meant so much to both teams, um, really in the playoff seating, the playoff picture type of thing. So, um, you know, that was, that was something that I, I don't know if it was overlooked by a lot of people, but at some point, you know, it, it seemed as if it just wasn't talked about too much in terms of playoff responsibilities, et cetera. So, um, that's something to most definitely think about. Uh, when we talk about the AFC North picture and what this game meant to both teams going forward. Uh, as usual, the quarterback usually gets too much praise and takes too much blame for wins and losses, but Joe Burrow is taking ownership of this. Lost to the Browns. Um, and, and I think for, for decent reason, because, um, you know, he threw the, he threw the huge pick six, the Bengals never recovered after that one, Um, uh, through the, the huge pick six. And then, uh, through an interception again, late, uh, there were a couple of misthrows on his part. And then of course I mentioned there was about five, I counted about five drops from Bengals wide receivers in that game. P Ryan being one that I mentioned earlier, Higgins I mentioned he had a couple, one of which was in the end zone. Tough ball to ke- come down with in the end zone. But, y- you know, that's why you drafted the guy, 6'3", 6'4", wide receiver, who's known to make contested catches. That's why you bring that guy in. Ball was up and away. You kind of had hoped he was uh, coming down. And, and our friend Joe Goodberry, if you follow him on Twitter, he's been putting out some really nice statistics. Um, well, it, It's a nice picture of statistics. It's not a nice statistic. Um, You know, T. Higgins in in contested catch situations has been pretty low uh, percentage-wise in terms of him coming down with the football. But at any rate, Joe Burrow takes ownership for the loss, and this has to do with some of the things he was saying in the post-game press conferences here following the 41-16 loss. Burrow just said, I didn't play very well. If I play better, we're in that game we have a chance to win that game. I just didn't play well. That's all there is to it. Now, he didn't throw anybody else under the bus. He didn't talk about Jamar Chase dropping one in the end zone and another down the sideline. He didn't talk about the contested catch situation, the third down drop, all of that. But, again, two turnovers. And he, he has to fix these turnovers that, that are popping up. I believe now, uh, I, I, I don't know after what happened last night, but I believe now he leads the league in interceptions thrown and that's that's kind of a staggering stat from a guy in college who was so efficient and he still has thrown a a bunch of touchdowns in comparison but those interceptions need to start coming down and it's it's a weird dichotomy with Joe Burrow because there are times when he is so great in the pocket and making things happen ad-libbing finding an open guy avoiding the rush etc but there are times where he absolutely locks in on a guy that that is blanketed in coverage. And that's kind of the situation we saw with his second interception against Cleveland, um, just blanketed with coverage. Denzel Ward gets his hand in there and pops the ball up and intercepted. And so you know those kind of things need to uh, need to stop. And I think again, with with the integration potentially of Chris Evans with the reintegration of Tyler Boyd and uh, others in the offense in, in the coming weeks here, Hopefully, that is where that, um, and we'll talk about that in just a second. Hopefully, that's where some of that improvement in terms of off of turnovers comes from this week. I'm going to do a little shameless self-promotion and put show you a tweet that I put out yesterday because I was on my way to go pick up my son from school, from preschool, and uh, Joe Burrow happened to be on Colin Coward's show, and so here are a couple of the highlights that I noted um the, it, He seemed to be very mellow, very low key, not worried. You know, a lot of a lot of the things that we heard in the press game, uh, post game pressers were, you know, we're not worried, we're not panicked. Both from him, from he, from CJ Uzama, from all kinds of others, not panicked. They, they're they've got this under control. They have things ahead of them. That was kind of the mantra. That was echoed on Colin Cowherd's show by Joe Burrow on Monday. He said he's taking it easy this week and watching a lot of football. He's kind of he's going to watch film and all that kind of stuff, but he is kind of just going to unplug. It sounded like for a little bit. Um, he said he felt like the Browns' loss came to a handful of plays, even though the team overall played poorly. He still thought that they could have won that game if not for the difference of a couple of uh, of plays. Um, still, really likes where they are into the buy, and then you know there was a, a conversation where, and Colin Coward prompted it, saying that the Bucks were struggling going into their buy. You know they started off well, then they started struggling. There were a lot of questions about them, and then they had a seven and five record going into the buy, and we all know what happened from there. So the Bengals now are five and four going into the buy after getting off to a five and two start and being media darlings. They are now five and four off two bad losses to the Jets and Browns respectively. So, you know, there's a little bit more to that. And then I think I put, yeah, uh, I I added a little something here. He says he's he's still learning as a professional quarterback. He feels like he's progressing every week and he feels like there are things that, um, you know, seem to be part of the learning process every week new new looks et cetera that he keeps learning we have to we have to realize that even though Joe burrow is incredibly mature, even though he's a year and a half into the league really accrued games wise he is just beyond his rookie season. he is a second year quarterback not to make excuses for him, but he is still playing very well for a guy in the limited amount of games accrued and of course coming off of the injury so um you know I, I think that this team's going to be hungry off of the bye. And, uh, you know, they're playing a Raiders team that has a lot going on. We'll talk about that in just a second, but they've got a lot going on, uh, just an insane month from the Las Vegas Raiders in terms of off field stuff, et cetera. So, um, you know, uh, that's who they've got coming down the pike. We'll see what happens in that game. There should be an interesting one in Vegas, um, so, yeah, and then of course, they've got the three division games after the bye and, do, and doing all kinds of different stuff. Um, well, that was that was nice. I the, from Nathaniel here, uh, nice comment there. Hey, Anthony, just wanted to pop in and say thanks to you and the whole OBI podcast family for the great content. Got to get back to work. Hooday, well, don't work too hard, Nathaniel. Thank you for the nice compliment. I appreciate that. Didn't want that to go unnoticed. I, I greatly appreciate that. We're putting in the work. And sometimes it's not as fun on a two-game losing streak and or when the the team is not winning games. But it's been a fun year in general. We've got a lot more football to cover, but thank you for the nice compliment there, Nathaniel. Greatly appreciate it. We're going to keep rolling on here with a little bit more Bengals headlines. And then, of course, AFC North news. And uh, we'll get into some NFL news and hop out of here. I'm Anthony Cazenza with the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast and CincyJungle.com. Happy to have you with us as we go through the happening headlines of week 10 here coming up. Uh, I can't believe we're already that far into the season. Some good news for the Cincinnati Bengals. This is from Fox Sports. The Bengals have a top five stat leader. They are the only team in the NFL to have a stat leader in passing, top five stat leader in passing, rushing, and receiving yards. Burrow is number five with almost 2,500 yards. Uh, 24.97, uh, and then of course Jim, uh, Joe Mixon has 636 rushing yards. He is fourth in the NFL, helped by the Derrick Henry injury because Derrick Henry was on a tear, as we all know. But still, number four in rushing yards, and Jamar Chase 835. Even with the two quiet games back to back, 835 yards, very very close to a thousand yards in his rookie season. And of course, him concentrating on, uh, you know, getting some of these tougher catches, hanging on to the football, etc. That's got to be a focus along with many, many other things for many, many other players to right the ship after these two losses. But still, some positive vibes despite the two-game losing streak. Um, and and this offense is producing, that is for sure. And that's why they've paid and or drafted these guys where they did. So, um Check that out from Fox Sports. Pretty cool stuff there. Continuing on, here are your top five per pro football focus Cincinnati Bengals on Twitter. Here are your top five ranked or graded Bengals through nine games. I guess we can maybe give this a different look here. Uh, DJ Reader is your number one guy at 85.8, just playing really, really well. Joe Joe Burrow, your quarterback, when he's when your quarterback's up there in the rankings, you gotta like that 85 overall score so far this year. Joe Mixon, again, a guy you've played you've paid highly, uh, has has answered the bell for the most part this year in 82, especially coming up in the past game. Jamar Chase, 76.6, Chidobe Awu, and then you've got three guys tied for fifth. Shadobi 71, 75.1, T. Higgins, 75.1, and B.J. Hill, 75.1. Look, this is a lot of what you want. You paid big money to DJ Reader. You drafted Joe Burrow, number one, overall. You paid big money to Joe Mixon on an extension, which wasn't overly uh, an overly popular opinion for a lot of folks because of the position that he plays. You drafted Jamar Chase, number five, overall. You took a chance and, and paid Jadobia Wozier in free agency. You took T. Higgins with essentially what was more or less a first round pick, the first pick in the second round. And you swung a trade for BJ Hill after final cuts. So you kind of hit the trifecta here if you're the Cincinnati Bengals in terms of productivity from pro football focus metrics, at least in your big free ticket free agent guys are performing as some of your best, or in Reader's case, the best guy. In PFF metrics, your franchise quarterback and former number one overall pick is right there as well. Your star running back, your top five pick wide receiver, free agent, basically a first round pick, and another trade guy that you that you've grabbed in BJ Hill. Those are your top f- performers. So kudos to the Bengals and kudos to those players because um, that kind of shows some of the savvy moves that they have made in in, in a variety of capacities. Now maybe they for lack of better words, sucked into Burrow and Higgins, but um, they're performing, they're performing. So uh, that kind of points to what they've done in the draft, in free agency, and with trades.
0: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: We're going to transition a little bit into some of the things as the Bengals get into the bye week. But as we always do, we want to tell you about our partnership with Symbol S-I-M-B-U-L-L. And Symbol is where you can trade teams and operate like you are manning the stock market. So if you like to play the stock market, if you play fantasy football, if you do survival football, I don't want to talk about survival football because I picked the Buffalo Bills this week, but that's okay. That's okay. Thanks a bunch, Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, look, this this is where you can buy and sell teams like they are stocks you can you can earn some money make some money on long-term investments short-term plays what have you some folks made some good money on the Bengals already since this partnership that we began with them in the spring but you can go to simbull.app backslash obi and if you input the promo code obi of course for orange and black insider Our listeners have a special promo wherein if you submit up to $500 in your account, that is protected for the first 90 days when you are navigating the Symbol platform. So if you end up losing money and you are dissatisfied with how things are going with the investments that you have made, you can pull out of there and have that money protected where they refund you that. So you you, really, really unique opportunity here. And we love what symbol is doing and 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 the product that they have there and they are standing by it with that money back guarantee with a five up to five hundred dollar um deposit bonus there so check check out symbol a p p backslash obi use the promo code obi to take advantage of that 90 day money back guarantee on your account and go make yourself some money go have some fun it's good stuff from symbol appreciate it uh brandon bachelor Anthony, we got to talk about that Steelers-Bears game last night. You got to hang on, Brandon, because I got a lot on that one. So, yes, we will talk about that in just a second. So, yes. At any rate, yeah, and yes, Andrew Seiler, yes, it does feel like two months since the Bengals beat the Ravens. It feels like a different season these past two weeks. But that's what the bye week's for. Regroup and get things together. Speaking of doing that – our friend of the show, Mike Petraglia, who was on the program a couple of weeks ago and was a great guest. We loved having him on. Um, he relayed something this morning or, the, or early this afternoon for, for some of you here. Uh, one significant takeaway from offensive coordinator, Brian Callahan Tuesdays at the Bengals need to address their third down conversion rate, just 38%. And there that is bad or good for 21st in the NFL uh, spoke, he spoke highly of the running backs and tight ends in the past game could be a significant adjustment post by as teams are focusing on the wide receivers. You're seeing a lot of bracketed coverage to T Higgins. You're seeing a lot of attention being paid these past couple of weeks to Jamar chase. Um, So again, this is where Tyler Boyd, Chris Evans, CJ Uzama, all of these guys, you started to see drew sample, get a few more catches this week. Those are the kind of players that are going to need to step up as ancillary weapons and, and, you know, they need to create more manageable third down situations for themselves. They need to, you know, even early in this game before the pick six, I mean, they got bailed out a couple of times. But the first the first two plays to start the game, a couple of runs for what, three yards. So and then all of a sudden you're looking at a third and seven to start the game. Um, so, look, they, they have a lot of work to do. There's been a lot of excitement, but there has been inefficiencies and inefficient areas from the offense. A lot of dry spells, a lot of just quick three and outs when the defense gets a stop and or, uh, you know, a turnover, etc. So they need to sustain drives. They need to get even if it's more field goal opportunities, they need to get that going where they have more point conversion opportunities. and of course that's going to take being better on third down and utilizing more of these weapons going forward. They've got a lot of them. so interesting takeaway there from Brian Callahan via Mike Petraglia uh, out there. Um, just some other kind of quotes uh, in terms of Zach Taylor, we just talked about Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator here is an interesting quote from uh again relayed from our our buddy bangles captain we got to get the Bengals captain on here at some point we haven't had him on since last year and his lovely wife as well we haven't had them on since last year in one of our pregame shows that we were doing last year so um, but at any rate he said you know there was a quote from zach taylor basically said you know when the offensive line went after davian Clowney for the the late hit on joe burrow and the offensive line really rallied around him, got in it, it, it actually got, it netted a 15 yard unnecessary roughness penalty. Um, Zach Taylor said, quote, I didn't like it. I loved it in terms of the offensive line's response to Jadavian Clowney hitting Joe Burrow uh, in a questionable manner. The hit itself was not penalized, but um, some st- stuff in a scrum afterwards was against the Browns there. So uh gotta, gotta kind of get get a little chuckle out of that one um, here is another um, another little we're, we're talking a little bet there PFF bet Zach Taylor's currently plus 1,000 to win coach of the year so that's something to think about that obviously has uh, dropped quite a bit um, since uh the, the past couple of losses here, but um, still in the conversation and still could pull something out here. If the Bengals end up making the playoffs and uh, making a big turnaround from the past couple of seasons there. So we'll see what happens this backstretch, but he is currently plus 1000 to win coach of the year. I hesitate sharing this next one. Um, it's in, and, and I hate, I hesitate Ending the Bengals news on this front, Uh, number one, because I met and spoke with this guy uh, for a little little while when I was out in Cincinnati in week one after the Bengals won on Sunday night at Jeff Ruby's Steakhouse. He was there. He was very affable, very friendly, um, and and so it was a lot of fun talking to him. This is a little bit of sobering news here uh, from a guy who has started his own podcast with Solomon Wilcox is, is Pac-Man Jones, Adam Jones. Unfortunately, he is, he has been convicted of assault and sentenced to 180 days in jail from a February incident. Um, So uh, you know, he kicked a person in the head. Um, You know, I I don't like to go through this because I don't like to drag people through the mud like this, but uh, unfortunately this is circulating. This is out there. Um, Jones has had a couple of instances wherein, uh, he has avoided some jail time and whatnot recently, but you know, he was a very good pickup for the Bengals in a lot of different respects. And like I said, I, uh, met him and was very, he was a very affable, likable, uh, polite guy. It was really nice talking to him, spent a lot of time and he really is actually still very passionate about the Bengals. Um, he said he wanted to get out there and return some kicks and stuff still, but, uh, at at any rate, um, you know, not, not so great news. We'll see about other developments with that. I don't like to share negative stuff like that, particularly about a guy that uh, I had a positive experience with personally, but that's, that's going to be out there. And if you haven't heard about it yet, it's probably going to be floating out there. Um, so we, uh, We'll, we'll we wish Pac Man the best. Not a great situation there, but wish him the best, and hopefully, um, you know, things work out more positively going forward. Let's keep going now, and we will transition to the AFC North and the team that the Bengals just got pounded by, the Cleveland Browns. Not great news for the Bengals. Amazing news for the Cleveland Browns. They sign Wyatt Teller to a four-year contract as of today tuesday november 9th four year deal one of the best interior linemen in the NFL is staying with Cleveland for the next handful of years and uh, it's a four year deal i don't know did we get the the money number on this here i don't i don't know that we got the money number uh, specifically at least not via clevelandbrowns.com um, but he came to cleveland via trade by Buffalo for two late round picks. Um, and then he has just, he, he was moved to right guard and he has been a, a really good player for them. A really, really good player for Cleveland. So kudos to Cleveland for paying their linemen, especially a quality interior lineman. We know the Bengals don't always value those players as much. So um, th- there you go. Cleveland is paying is recognizing what, what, kind of value their offensive line brings them and teller is a big part of that. Uh, Another, I'm not going to spend too much time on this. I'm just going to really kind of go over the high, uh, the headline of it, but people's Jones Donovan people's Jones uh, is becoming quote, Mr. Dependable in terms of the eyes of the Cleveland Browns. Um, Here is the, the article there. And he has really made a name for himself as a really young receiver against the Cincinnati Bengals. He was the hero in the rematch last year. He had the big touchdown this week against Eli Apple. And uh, now he his role is continuing to grow, that OBJ is no longer with Cleveland. Obviously a guy that they want to see continue to develop and be a, a solid player for them. So Peoples-Jones is a guy that Cleveland really, really likes at this point in time. Right here. Uh the Baltimore Ravens have lost to Sean Elliott, their safety, and they are kind of doing a group effort that does that sound familiar with the Baltimore Ravens in terms of they lost a guy from injury, and we're gonna rally around and we're gonna kind of do it with a group effort. Um, I think it was Devontae Freeman and Le'Veon Bell this week at running back. Um they're still waiting on Latavius Murray. And then of course they had like two or three major injuries: J.K. Dobbins and um, you know all kinds of others in the running back position group. And now they've put that together with duct tape and bubble gum and everything else. And they are going to do the same here with Deshaun Elliott and his absence in the backfield there. So uh, this is on Baltimore I'll leave the link there. They've got a lot of different news and notes there, but uh, the Ravens are kind of trying to patch things up there to mask his vacancy on the roster. This is from Baltimore Beatdown, our uh, counterparts in the SB Nation network. Um, the, the Ravens have promoted Nick Boyle to the 53-man roster and some other roster moves. What might those be? They have designated Ben Cleveland, one of the favorites of Bengals Nation in this year's draft from a guard standpoint. Designated Ben Cleveland uh, for return to practice. He had a knee injury, and then they placed Deshaun Elliott on injured reserve. Then they signed another safety, Jordan Richards, to the practice squad to kind of bolster that position group a little bit. So um, Ravens have made some moves. Nick Boyle was previously on injured reserve, and they brought him to the active roster. Um, Ben Cleveland coming back from a knee injury to practice, and Deshaun Elliott to IR. So just some... Roster moves by the Baltimore Ravens there with some familiar names um, coming and going uh, on their on their roster there. So. All right. Brandon Bachelor asked for it earlier, and we've got a couple of things. And this really where my. Uh, where most of my. Attention is being paid to. The 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 Steelers and in, in this week's happened in headlines. So, look, the Steelers won. It's what they do. It's who they are. They are a high quality, um, high quality franchise in a lot of different ways, and the beacon of NFL success. But in a lot of different ways, in terms of what they've done uh, and how they have won, um, they just keep. Uh, I don't know what you want to say. They keep winning by the skin of their teeth. They keep getting favors from the referees. Um, I think we all, as Bengals fans, maybe over-exaggerated a little bit, but there are things there that are easily seen wherein we all wonder what what the heck are the referees seeing in some of these instances. First and foremost, congratulations to Mike Tomlin with that win. Um, he is the 20th head coach to hit 150 career wins, and I believe he surpassed uh, Bill Cowher for most wins um, or, or for, you know, uh, became, you know, he surpassed Bill Cowher in terms of wins is, is my understanding of it, but 150 career wins as a Steelers head coach. So congratulations to him. That is quite a feat despite what you think about certain things about the franchise and whatnot. That's um, an incredible feat, and a, and the guy still has never had a losing season in his career as an NFL head coach at, at the Pittsburgh Steelers. I they are now 5 and 3. I said this at the beginning of the year. Everybody thought Pittsburgh was a 6-win team. Everybody thought that they were not going to be any good. They will never be in the playoff picture this year. Look where they are. And I I never never count count that team out ever until week, I guess 18 now is done. And we look, at the, we look at the standings and see where everything is at that point in time. I never count that team out. And I, I, I think a lot of it, still a lot of football to play, and they don't look great, but somehow they're scraping together wins and they are in the AFC playoff picture once again. So I think we were all premature to say this team, its leadership, whatever, is not going to get it done because the Steelers always seemingly get it done one way or the other. Now, one way they are getting it done is in some of the calls that they are receiving from referees and officiating. And last night was egregious. Now, we can talk about what happened with the Bengals and the Jets and Mike Hilton and that play. I think most everybody that saw that, including many, many major media – you know, media members and former players that now work at ESPN and everything—they all thought it was an egregious call against Mike Hilton and the Jets. But uh, you know, the Bengals squandered a lot of opportunities in general to win that game. But obviously, a critical call at that juncture in the contest. Well, there was a couple of those as well last night. And when you're talking about a game that is decided by two points, as the one last night was, um, these are the things that get looked at a little more closely here is one that i thought was interesting okay i retweeted this with something basically talking about well tell me about the mike hilton on ty johnson hit then if this was a legal hit i'm going to play this for you this was deemed a legal hit in chicago versus pittsburgh this is on twitter while the quarterback this is a, a, this is minka fitzpatrick i believe on justin fields a quarterback this was deemed a legal hit here um so you could see him him going right here he's going to the sideline here's the hit looks like shoulder to helmet but here's helmet to helmet right there now fields does lower his helmet there's no doubt about that we'll watch it again but this was deemed legal um in a world where we're protecting quarterbacks where we're supposed to be protecting first round quarterbacks um I I don't know. Uh, And and I understand the fields put his head down as well, but if you're going to call the one against Mike Hilton here, that's where I go. Okay. Well, where's the consistency here? Um, I'll let it loop one more time before we go here, but you can see he lowers his shoulder and helmet and the helmets make contact as do the shoulders and the shoulder makes contact into the head. Um, I don't know. I, I, that one puzzled me and uh, you know, the NFL officiating crew just decided that that was going to be that. Now there are, there is another one that is getting a lot of attention. And this was at a critical juncture in the game where uh, a bears defender. Um, it was Cassius Marsh. Uh, he got a sack on a big third down, getting the bears on, off the field and would Get uh, potentially get them in, in position to win this game late. So here is this is from Will Brinson, a guy who works for CBS Sports and Entertaining Follow. But he said, Watch Tony Corrente, the referee here, as he almost leans in. Well, he does lean into uh, Marsh here and calls a taunting penalty, apparently because Marsh was looking at the sideline. Now, a little bit of a backstory Marsh, I think, was previously cut by the Steelers. So he had a little extra ammunition, apparently reportedly did not say anything of any kind, just gave him a look over there. And this is where this taunting penalty really just starts to irk you in terms of, you know, how hard they are cracking down on this. But check out this one here. Um, This is Marsh trotting off the field. Watch Correnti almost backwards walk into him and then toss the flag way up in the air. Um, and you can see here, uh, Brinson says leaned into the contact and held his flas- flag toss like a walk off three pointer. What a joke! Um, I mean, just kind of backs his butt into him a little bit there, and and bumps him, and you know, I, I what here's what I don't understand: if the call was about him looking over at the sideline, why isn't the flag thrown right there? Why isn't the flag thrown way way earlier? Why do you have to bump into him? Why do you, it, it's this whole thing and now it's bringing into this conversation it's bringing the conversation up of what the officials are actually doing in terms of dictating results in games cuz they are having direct impact on wins and losses for certain teams here so um you can debate why that is you can debate you know how how minimal or big these types of movements are but that's that's a, a, a crazy crazy visual in my opinion right there that is a crazy visual now I'm going to play this clip from Cassius Marsh. um, And this is uh, him explaining what happened here. And, uh, you know, then we're going to get to a few more things and hop out of here. But I thought this was pretty poignant here. I'm going to play this for you. Hopefully you all can hear it. But this is Via Dove Kleiman on Twitter. uh, And this is Cassius Marsh talking about what what happened here, and on that video, I just played for you all in terms of Tony Carrenti bumping into him.
0: The one thing that I will say is, uh, you know,
1: on my way to the sideline, I got hit checked by a ref, and it's, it's pretty clear. Uh, if I were to do that to a ref or even touch a ref, you know, we get kicked out of the game, possibly suspended, fine. So. I just think that that was incredibly inappropriate. Um, so hopefully you could hear that. It was a little little bit of a quiet audio clip, but hopefully you were able to to hear that, Esen- essentially talking about how he thought it was unacceptable that the the ref hip-checked him and called a penalty. Uh, you could hear he almost got choked up with how angry he was there. Um, so, uh, you know, that, that that's a little bit from... Uh, Cassius Marsh himself. And uh, you know, I know there are many, many instances in a game and a penalty should not dictate it. But sometimes when it's that close of a game and all of that, you can't help, but look at plays like that. Like we did with Mike Hilton against the jets. You can't help, but look at those penalties and say, well, you just, you just robbed us of at least one more opportunity to right a wrong that we did maybe in the game earlier. So Look, uh, I, I just kind of wanted to share those things. I'm sure that you've all seen those at this point in time, but interesting stuff coming out of there. But the, the Steelers win. They go to 5-3, and three, and now the Bengals are in the cellar of the AFC North, and they win on some controversial calls, to say the very least. Let's scoot through these next couple, and then we will get on out of here. Here are uh, the NFL.com power rankings. Uh, this is from Dan Hansis. Who is a prominent member of the media over there he's got the cardinals at one he's got the bucks at two he's got the titans at three who now all of a sudden are after a a struggle early in the year they are atop the afc green bay's at four dallas is at five um baltimore is at six we have to probably go quite a ways down here to find the cincinnati Bengals. cleveland rose up six spots to go get to the top ten in Hans's list, uh, I assume that's probably right around where the Bengals are. Lo and behold, that's where they are, sixteenth with the team they play next, the Las Vegas Raiders, who are five and three. Um, they play them in a couple weeks. Five and four are the Cincinnati Bengals. They were ranked number eleventh. They fell five spots on this list um, after being. They were eleventh after uh, losing to the Jets. Uh, the Bengals were blown out at home by the Browns on Sunday and have been outscored 55-16 in their last four-and-a-half quarters of play dating back to Week 8's collapse against the Jets. Um, and really, it just kind of says, turbulence arrived an important test for Zach Taylor and his quest to in, instill a new culture in Cincinnati. Will Cincinnati adjust and move forward or crumble and fall apart like so many other Bengals teams? So that is the breakdown there in terms of power rankings. Um, there is a... Little bit of, uh, you know, we can all sit here and complain about some of the turnovers from Joe Burrow and some of the things go that we've seen in the last two games that were losses. But the Miami Dolphins have kind of a mess on their hands. They tried to trade Tua Tagovailoa and picks for Deshaun Watson. It never really materialized before the trade deadline, so they are the um, two has been. Uh, dealing with rib and finger injuries uh, they don't know if they are going to have to a play this week against um, uh, against the Baltimore Ravens on Thursday night so they don't know if he's going to be available or if it's going to be more Jacoby Brissett so uh, it's been a pretty miserable year for the Dolphins who were kind of a, a lot of people thought that They would be a sneaky team this year, based on a lot of different things, and and uh, they are really really struggling. And the Bengals were criticized a lot about their lack of offensive line investments. We'll take a look at what Miami did or didn't do in their on their offensive line there. So um, that is something that uh, needs to be noted here. Let's let me. I have a couple here, but I think I can tie this into one. Let me just see. Uh, Yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. So I'm going to just go here at CBS Sports. I'm going to bypass this one because it's basically saying the same thing here. Um, One, it was about the draft order, and the other is a 2022 mock draft. Um, They have this on CBS Sports from Ryan Wilson. I will put this in the live chat for you all here. Um, That is the link and the Bengals are currently sitting right down the middle of what uh, of the league in terms of where they pick. Um, you're seeing some of these picks here: Matt Corral, the Ole Miss quarterback, going sixth overall to Washington; uh, Demarvin Leal, a defensive lineman, going seventh to the Eagles. You go down here, Tyler Linderbaum, a name that is popping up, in you know for. The Bengals, for all the right reasons, a center um, and a guy maybe could, could project a guard as well. Um, and uh, he's he just a really, really good player. Um, and so, ironically, they have him going to the Giants to replace Billy Price, who the Bengals shipped off for B.J. Hill. So, where do the Bengals go? They have them going cornerback, as the Bengals love going cornerback here. Kair Elam, uh, admittedly, I don't know a ton about him. He is a corner out of Florida. I wonder if he is re- related to Matt Elam. I don't I don't know. I'd have to go do a little research on him. Um, I just kind of picked this up before we went live here. But Kair Elam, uh, it says, the Bengals defense is young, aggressive, and balled out, often during the first two months of the season. But the unit has struggled in recent losses against the Jets and Browns. Beefing up the secondary should be at the top of the to-do list, especially if there's no offensive lineman they like here. And then, oh, they have... The Browns taking Chris Olav, the uh, wide receiver out of Ohio State at 17 overall right behind the Bengals. So there you go. And last but not least, it has been a turbulent month for the Las Vegas Raiders, the next opponent on the Bengals, um, Bengals slate here. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because I, I just, I don't know, um, the, I don't like I don't like spending a lot of time on these negative headlines, much like I said with with the Pac-Man Jones news earlier. But the bang, uh, the Raiders rather cut 2020 first-round cornerback Damon Arnett after video with death threats. This comes after their other first-round pick, Henry Ruggs, was involved in a, a auto accident that killed a young lady, uh, and they they obviously cut him as well. So they're two of their first-round picks in 2020 – um, are no longer even on the team anymore what happened with arnett he was seen i guess i think it was on an instagram story where he was making uh death threats to somebody and and showing guns and all kinds of different stuff he was on injured reserve since october 9th but um i i, I wasn't quite sure maybe there's some more details on here um so uh, I don't know. Essentially, uh, I think it was maybe either a fan that was talking noise in his direct messages or something. But at any rate, he was flashing a number of different, different guns and talking about coming, you know, come by my house. I'll, you know, I'll kill you and all kinds of different stuff. And it just, you know, capped off a month where you're talking about John Gruden, you're talking about Henry Ruggs, and now Damon Arnett, and quote, there have been a series of bad decisions over the last year or so, but we can't stand, we cannot stand for the video of Damon with a gun threatening to take a life. The content was unacceptable, contrary to our values, and our owner, Mark Davis, has been very clear and very consistent that this is not how we will conduct ourselves in the community. The bottom line, the Raiders will not tolerate this type of behavior. I believe this was from uh, Mike Mayock, who also called it, quote, a very painful decision. So, The Raiders, uh, I I don't know how they have five wins and have a winning record at this point in time based on everything that is going on in their respective team. But, uh, you know, an issue there, and they are moving on from Damon Arnett. So that is going to wrap it up for us. I'm Anthony Cazenza with the Orange and Black Insider, Bengals Podcast, and CincyJungle.com. You can get this show, as I mentioned, on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all the major platforms, as well as our YouTube channel. Go subscribe. Click the bell to be notified when we go live and when new content is available. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We've got our big show tomorrow night. John Sheeran and myself will be back and maybe some other things throughout the week. We'll see how that goes. And, of course, the post-game show on Sunday. We've got a lot of content coming your way. Thanks for tuning in live. Thanks for downloading after the fact, and we will see you soon. Have a great rest of your week.